0: Boy, it is beautiful out. It's going to be a great day. And we look forward to this. I do want to let you know of a uh, new circumstance. It seems that Reigning Grace has identified and is now prepared to... uh, through biblical counseling, help people cope with a new addiction. And the new addiction has been, at least according to latest reports, a propensity, a tendency, to stand on airway, airport, runways, waving at airplanes. Uh, Ask Amy about this. She can help you with any counseling needs, I'm sure. Turn in your scripture to Colossians 3, 9 through 11. I've said this before. It doesn't come oft. But I am as delighted to approach this sermon today as I have been before. There's rich, rich biblical truth and guidance for us. Let's let's stand read first, then I'll pray. Colossians 3, 9 through 11 and I am reading from the New American Standard Version. Verse nine, do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge, Epignosco, according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman but Christ is all and in all. Blessed Savior, thank you for the glorious gift to us of your thoughts, but also your presence as you attend the reading, the preaching of thy word. Speak to us, of the glories of what you have achieved and what you have now enabled us to do, pleasing you. We humbly pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. It is my error, I am sure, uh, with what I sent Heather but the title of the sermon <clears throat> and the so I would like it to be placed on the website too, Put Off Adam I Who Dwells in the Town of Deceit. Put Off Adam I Who Dwells in the Town of Deceit. First context, Puritan John Bunyan's 1678 classic work, Pilgrim's Progress, second only to the Bible imprinted copies in the English-speaking world, derived an insightful scene pregnant with biblical truth from our text today. Two of the primary characters, Christian and Faithful, both fleeing from the city of destruction are conversing about their journey on the path to Emmanuel's land, the celestial city. And Faithful explains how he met a man named Adam the first, who dwelt in the town of Deceit. Faithful said, When I came to the foot of the hill called Difficulty, I met with a very aged man who asked me what I was and whither bound. Where are you going? I told him that I was a pilgrim going to the celestial city. Then said the old man to me, you look like an honest fellow. Always beware of compliments. You look like an honest fellow. Wilt thou be content to dwell with me for the wages that I shall give thee? Then I asked him his name and where he dwelt. He said his name was Adam the I, and that he dwelt in the town of Deceit. I asked him, What was his work and what the wages that he would give. He told me that his work was many delights. Sounds like TV, doesn't it? Many delights. And his wages that I should be his heir. I further asked him what house he kept, what other servants he had. So he told me his house was maintained with all the dainties of the world, and that his servants were those of his own begetting. Then I asked how many children he had. He said he had three daughters, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that I should marry them all if I would. Then I asked how long he would have me live with him and he told me as long as he lived himself. Well said Christian and what conclusion came the old man and you two at last? Faithful said why? At first I found myself desirable to go with the man, for I thought he spake very fair. But looking on his forehead as I talked with him, I saw there written, Put off the old man with his evil deeds. And then it came burning hot into my mind. Whatever he said, however he flattered, when he got me home to his house, he would sell me as a slave. So I bade him forbear to talk. Stop talking, for I would not come near the door of his house. Then the flatterer became a reviler. (laughs) Then he reviled me and told me he would send such a one after me to make my way bitter to the soul. So I turned away from him, but just as I turned myself to go, I felt him take hold of my flesh, and gave me such a deadly twitch back that I thought he had pulled part of me after himself, which made me cry out, wretched man that I am. So I went on my way up the hill, but when I had got about halfway up, I looked behind me, and saw one coming after me swift as the wind. He overtook me, and was but a word and a blow, for down he knocked me and laid me for dead. But when I was a little come to myself again, I asked him wherefore he struck me so. He said, because of my secret inclining to Adam the first. And with that, he struck me another deadly blow on the breast and beat me down backward. So I lay as dead as before, and when I came to myself again, I cried, mercy, but he said, I know not how to show mercy, and with that he knocked me down again. He had nearly made an end of me, but one came by and bid him forbear. Stop! Who was it that bid him forbear? Christian asked. I did not know him at first, but as he went by, I perceived the holes in his hands and his side. Then I concluded he was the Lord. So I went up the hill. Christians said to faithful, That man that overtook you is Moses. He spares none neither knoweth he how to show mercy to those that transgress the law. Wow! Deep insight, Bunyan poll, from Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Look at verses 9 and 10 and If I've been speaking in poetry, so to speak, I now turn to prose, and the water is deep, thinking hats on, please. Both the ESV and the New American Standard translate the main adjective and noun with old self, new, Self. You see it there in the text. But this particularizes the passage to just one part of a two layered theology being expressed here. The Greek word for self, the primary Greek word for self, is autos from which we get the word autonomy, namas, law, law, self-law, self-rule, autonomy. The primary Greek word for self is autos, but that's not what the word is here. The Greek word here is anthropos, from which we get the word anthropology. Or man. That's why King James translates it, old man, new man. So the focus of these impurities, verses 5, 8, and 9, is heavily, track with me, heavily upon the individual believer. Hence, self, but the indicative under which these imperatives are to be understood is a corporate focus, a corporate focus, the headship of the two atoms, Huge. So the ESV, decided to simplify things for us with old self, thus keeping the focus on the flow of the imperatives. Paul, though, shifts in verses nine to 10 to show the indicative behind the imperities. It is in Christ, the Second Adam, that we now exist. What were we before? in Adam the first who dwells yet in the town of the So corporately, we are in or under the Second Adam, and no longer in or under. Adam the first. Therefore, we should not behave like Adam the first. That's the thought. Therefore, we should not behave like Adam the first. And by nature, nor do we have to behave like Adam the first. For we are being renewed through an epigenetical knowledge, a real felt, eyes wide open for the moment, knowledge of Christ, our second Adam. Okay. In a swimming pool, we're swimming back to where our feet and touch bottom again. Calvin. Cow- The old man comes first in order because we are first born from Adam the first, and afterwards are born again through Christ the second Adam. And as to what we have from Adam becomes old and tends toward catastrophe, ruin, so what we obtain through Christ remains forever and is not frail, but on the contrary tends toward immortality. Thus Paul, following the imperatives of the two lists of vice or sin, retains, returns to one more significant vice. Verse 5, five vices. Verse 8, five different vices. Verse 9, one significant vice. Lying, deception, falsehood, deceit. His thrust in other words, is that another thing that polluted your mouths was lying. You used to tell lies as though it was a natural thing to do. Be done with such conduct. Your tongues were given you to speak truth, being known as men and women of truth speaking. And we say, why? Because you have stripped off, you have laid aside the old man that you used to be together with the practices in which he loved to indulge. Now, most interesting here, I hope you have your Bibles open, you really can't track with me if you don't. But most interesting is that the verb behind you have taken off is the same verb used in 2.15 where it is described God stripping off the rulers and authorities from himself. In fact the scripture there says In the working of God, he has wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having discarded, we discussed that in 2.15, having, he didn't just put off, he threw them off. Satan was cast out of heaven. Having discarded the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. And significantly, in 3 9, this verb is similar to, it's called the cognate, the noun Paul uses. In 2.11, to refer to the stripping off of the sinful nature that takes place in Christ's circumcision. You'll recall that. This is our trajectory. I quote from 2.11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now observe the past tense nature of these puttings off. The past tense nature. You put off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 2.11, in the past. 2.15, God the Father discarded, put off the rulers and authorities at the cross in the past. And now, 3.9, Do not lie to one another, since you have, past tense, have put off the old man with his evil deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, epigenosical knowledge, not just head stuff but heart encounters with him through scripture, have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Hmm. Proverbs, God hates lying calls it an abomination Revelation 21 no liars will enter Emmanuel's land Hmm. Christ himself said say it with me I am the way and the truth and the life. Truth. Truth. Psalms 15, which we would have read, but for my request, we went to eight. Psalms 15 says, O Lord, who shall dwell in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly, and does what is right, and speaks truth in his heart, who swears to his own heart, and does not change. If you are questioning if something is a lie, it probably is. And sometimes we question a thing with uncertainty. Hear me carefully. Which may not in itself be a sin, but dear brother, sister, if you think it is a sin to you, it is a sin. If you violate your conscience erringly, this is Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 14. If you violate your conscience, even though somebody says you've got freedom to do that, but if you think it's a sin, it is a sin for you. So if you're questioning if something is a lie, it probably is. Why did you ask the question? And to speak it or think it is to behave like Adam the First, who yet dwells in the town of deceit. Child of God, kill, put to death, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, hmm. Put off, discard anger, wrath, malice, the intent to hurt, slander, the intent to harm, abusive speech, a foul mouth, and stop lying to one another. Why? 3 9. The old man. Adam the first who dwells in the town of Deceit, you have put off. And this happened when you put on the new man, Christ the second and last Adam. Behave like who you are in Christ. Behave like who you are becoming in Christ. Doctrine. First piece of doctrine is a fascinating one. This passage is particularly worthy of notice because here is given us a definition of what regeneration looks like, all. Somebody who's been regenerated is going to start looking, sounding, smelling, talking, behaving more and more like the second Adam, less and less like the first. This passage contains the two parts, the putting off of the old man, the putting on of the new man. And it is also to be noticed that the old man is distinguished by his works as a tree is by its fruit. I love, my grandpa and grandma had apple trees. Nothing better than a fresh apple right off the tree. But have you ever taken a bite of a persimmon? The trees are noticeably different. Second piece of doctrine. In the phrase, after his creator's image, this is verse 10, it is impossible to miss the allusion, the reference to Genesis 1, where the first Adam is said to have been created by God in his own image. The, but the first Adam now... Is seen as the old man who must be discarded in order that the believer may put on the new man, the last Adam. And there is no doubt as to the identity of the new man. Paul has told the Corinthians that as the first man Adam became a living spirit when the Lord God breathed into him the breath of life. The first man was from the earth, a man. The second man is the man from heaven. Wow. And First Corinthians 15 still. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, Adam the first from the town of deceit, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, the last Adam, new man, is Christ Jesus. Now, think with me. This conception, as it hits us, and it's the the deeper layer of the twofold theology here, the deeper layer, looking at the two Adams. This conception of Christ as the second man, last Adam, head of the new creation, Even as Adam was, Adam the first was of the old creation, is thoroughly biblical. It may be traced in the Gospels and in Hebrews, which connects it with Psalms 8. It may be traced in the Gospels and in Hebrews. Two which connects it to Psalms 8. Adam the First fell before Satan in a garden at the foot of a tree. Christ the Second Adam conquered Satan in a wilderness and was then sacrificed on a tree. Huge. Huge difference. Adam I, before the fall, engaged with the animals, naming them in an Edenic picture of peace and harmony. Mark's Gospel tells us in chapter 1, listen to it carefully. The Spirit immediately drove Christ out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Hmm. Mark's the only one that tells us this. Why did the Spirit put this in Mark's gospel? He was with the wild animals. Fascinating that many theologians see here a veiled reference to Christ Jesus as the second Adam. Now picture the scene. He's not in a garden. He's in a wilderness. Angels are ministering to him. Satan has tempted him. And the animals just flock to him like they did Adam the first. And he rubs their head, scratches their chin, pets them, talks lovingly to them. He's with the animals. Now think back to Colossians 2. Christ is supreme ruler of all creation, and there you see it. Satan, evil, tempted him. Angels, invisible spirits, ministering to him. The world itself, the animals are with him, a veiled, veiled, veiled allusion to the second Adam. And just a quick opening of the Shutterfly picture of his glory as Emmanuel. Now combine this with Psalms 8. We read this. This is why we switch. Psalms 8. You have given him. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You have made him as the Lord and the angels. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. Psalms 8. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea, which Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 takes applying it to Christ, I quote, Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made Lord and the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Oh, the wondrous portrayal of Christ Jesus, second Adam, dwelling in his land, Emmanuel's land forever, Perfect harmony with all creation, including the animal kingdom. Hmm. Application Who do you want as your head? Adam the first from the town deceit, or Christ the second Adam? Crowned with glory as supreme ruler of all creation and of the church. Who do you want as your head? If you're in Christ, He's already your head. Then stop lying and live like your head, King. Jesus. This will have a God pleasing and potentially horizontally displeasing effect upon you depending on your layer of employment. Some jobs require fudging the truth. God commands you. Stop lying, even to your own hurt. And that's the thrust of Psalms 15. Sometimes the thing that we speak we will do. Then circumstances shift. And we don't want to keep our word. Dear brother, sister... If you have given your word, and circumstances shift, you keep your word to your own heart. Psalms 15, you don't break your word, because you are a truth speaker like your head, Jesus. But there is a fundamental principle of biblical change involved here that is illustrated by Matthew chapter 12. And this is the last piece that I'll give you. Matthew twelve forty-one. This is very foundational to all biblical change, and it's woven into Paul's thought here because next week, instead of what should we put off and kill, now we turn to what do we put on? The Christ-like virtues of looking, sounding, smelling, behaving, talking like, Jesus. Matthew 12 Christ said, when the unclean spirit a demon, has gone out of a person it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes back, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first so will it be with this evil generation. There is an intrinsic danger to a horizontal focus. There is an intrinsic danger to a man focus in your efforts at sanctification. If all you focus on, if you exclusively focus on what you're supposed to kill and put off, you might get your house clean for a time. And then it will come back like a tsunami. You can't just put off. You must put on. And that's where we're headed next week. You never empty your house and say, Well, I'm a good boy, am I? I've cleaned up my act. Oh no. If your act gets cleaned up, it will because be because you have done that which God calls you to do kill, put off, stop. And you have let him through his grace Look at verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. And beyond all these things, Put on love. The legalist makes his focus obedience. Kill it. Put it off. The child of God knows better. You can't do it by yourself. Yes, you have to obey. But now you have to focus on what God wants to build inside you. Let me pray. Father, we have gloriously been led through thy word to this rich exposition by Paul of what to put off, what to kill, what to stop. And we understand that it is because we are no longer under Adam the First from the town of deceit. Now we belong to you, Jesus. Oh, build in us your image. Put your attitudes, your perceptions, your words, your speech, everything into us. Change us into the image of Christ and find in this particular church, a people well-pleasing, a fragrant aroma to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.